Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. I'm very excited to introduce to you someone that I came across on the web, actually. One of those funny things. He's doing such fascinating things in our space of trying to understand the human relationship with technology. And I always love coming across new characters and people that are doing interesting things. And hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Rajul Aurora is a digital well-being advocate and practitioner, and he's a millennial with a passion for creating change in this space. Welcome, Rajul. Thank you so much for having me over, Heidi. I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity, and I look forward to having some wonderful conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, I came across your profile because I was looking at, are there any new players in this space and what's happening? And you had done a really great TEDx uh, just about your experience. And in particular, you stopped using social media for six months as a reaction to how you felt it was impacting you. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of how you got involved in sort of the reactionary side of digital well-being coming from working in technology? Sure. So Heidi, I'll briefly talk about my journey. So this is a couple of years back. This was when I was in college. So I was going through something called social media addiction. I used to check my WhatsApp first thing in the morning. I used to get up in the middle of the night to check my notifications. Even while used to, while talking to people, I used to check my phone. Even in the bathroom, I used to check my phone. So while I was on Facebook or WhatsApp, I was putting content that was depreciating as a person. So this is what I call LTC, location time content. I was not using technology at the right locations or at the right times and not consuming content that was not helping me grow. So this was something that I was suffering. To give an example, I checked my phone in the bathroom, which was a wrong place. I checked my phone just before sleeping, which decreased the quality of my sleep. And I was posting photos on Facebook, looking for social validation, looking for likes and always checking my likes. So this is what I suffered through and I call it LTC. And so many people suffer from it. I mean, it's really, those are sort of the classic scenarios. It's everything from, you know, you're sitting in the bathroom. Whatever happened to having like a quiet sit in the bathroom, maybe doing crosswords, you know, it's no longer there. And, you know, where people are in there way too long and you're like, they can't, they either have a really upset stomach or something's wrong. And now it's sort of the response of, oh, they're checking their social. The same thing like when somebody walks to their car. And you're like, oh, they're going to move out of that parking space. Like, no, they're not. They're going to check their phone first, right? <laughs> so, so it's like become a trigger for everything. Like, for like sure. If you're bored, anxious, we'll just pick up our phones. So, what is that social validation piece? How did you, you know, how did you, or when did you start feeling like this is a problem versus, oh, well, you know, I just want to check in with my friends? So, I started feeling it was a problem. Because it's, it was affecting my relationships. I wasn't genuinely there or connecting with people. It was affecting my academics because I was not at all productive. I was not focusing at all. And my mental health was also deteriorating because my self-esteem depended on other people's profile photos. So my self-esteem was very low. So these were a couple of triggers which I felt was deteriorating my life. And it showed in all the parameters. My academic score fell down a lot. 
my and i could feel i didn't have genuine quality relationships and a lot of other parameters so you went off social media for 6 months and does that mean you got rid of your phone or what was your what was your process for elimination and then i assume since it's a 6 month marker that you actually reintroduced it so what was your your process there sure so what i did was i went cold turkey i uninstalled whatsapp from my phone that's what i did first then i deleted my facebook account i didn't deactivate i deleted it so idea was to know what was there beyond technology so our generation is does only knows a life in social media so i wanted to see a life beyond social media so when i left social media whatsapp i uninstalled whatsapp and i deleted my facebook account initially i would say i was very anxious i was very tensed and the first one week was very very tough and to be quite vulnerable i did install my whatsapp back after one week because i was going through a lot of fomo fear of missing out but i could see that i have a lot i had a lot of time during that one week i could see that i was actually feeling joy and i could feel that i was connecting with people and i remembered why i wanted to leave social media i remembered that i wanted to transform my life personally academically relationships wise so that why kept me motivated a lot and that's how my journey continued and if you want i can talk more about yeah please sure so uh, what i did after that one week i kept it uninstalled for 6 to 7 months so during that time i adopted a lot of great habits like i adopted meditation i adopted gratitude i used to write gratitude first thing in the morning i adopted a lot of physical exercise and mindful eating so because of these wonderful habits that i adopted it had a very significant impact in my life and to talk about some tangible parameters i lost 17 kilos during that time i was like 92 wow. kilos and i lost 17 kilos Uh, congratulations second thing is thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> means a lot my academic score shot up by around shot up by around 15% i had much more quality relationships in life so before that i had a i had thousands of stones in my life thousands of virtual friends which i didn't connect with much but after that i had 20 or 30 or gems who i genuinely connected with so these were a couple of parameters and i could say my mental health and physical health went up a lot physical health i already talked about in terms of weight in terms of mental health i could feel my self esteem went much higher i could feel that i wanted to be a better version of myself and i could see that in my academics in my confidence level and i wanted to give back to society as well and i wanted to enable other people to become better versions of themselves so this overall improved my life satisfaction level and to be honest i faced a lot of challenges during this time and there are two key messages i want to give here first is i am not telling you to leave social media because i ultimately came back which i'll talk about the idea is that we need to know our life beyond social media that's one thing so i would say reevaluate your relationship with social media is it something that's helping you grow or is it depreciating your life are you looking at people's profiles are you comparing yourself to other people or are you only consuming fake news or something or are you using it for something that's helping you grow for example i consume nowadays i consume a lot of self help content content which helps me grow and this was first key message wherein reevaluate your relationship with social media second key message is to do some form of detox idea is to know something beyond social media it mm-hmm. could be a couple of hours a couple of days a couple of weeks whatever suits you but do f- some form of detoxing because it's important to know what is there in the other side of the table because ultimately balance is the key to every aspect in life including social media 
It's so true. And I I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mark Metry's work with Humans 2.0, but I think that he's both been on my podcast and I was on his and a very similar approach to understanding the benefits of social media. And he's still back on, but he's very, he does it very mindfully. And, Mm. And I think that that's something that we're seeing more and more of is that reactionary you know, I, I can't do, I can't just complete, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on doing the same mm-hmm. thing where it's just like running in the, you know, in a hamster wheel and you're <laughs> just sort of, you're pulling the other side to get yourself up, but it just keeps on rolling. And, you know, there's this satisfaction in pulling up, but it still doesn't get you anywhere. Right. So I think that there's that opportunity to sort of step out and see the wheel spinning and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's what I was caught in. Oh, my, how did that happen? And then to sort of say, hey, well, maybe that's a, you know, maybe I can use it as a tool for exercise, right? That's a good mm-hmm. way to do exercise. So I can go back in and do exercise, but also know that I can still step out of it if I don't want mm-hmm. to be on the wheel. And I think that there's, there's some really good conversations around that space. And what you've done is really, uh, you know, done it very mindfully in taking that time and saying, you know, six to seven months. So when you reintroduced it to yourself. You were saying that you you actually are still, you are back on it, but you use it very mindfully towards a certain goal. What tools have you reintroduced? And are there some things that you actually didn't go back to? Good question. So this is my phase three, wherein I came back. And I would say I'm still experimenting a lot because it's technology is something that you need to keep learning. You need to keep experimenting with a lot of tools. So when I came back, I would divide it into three pillars. So these are three pillars that I follow. One is moderation of screen time. And there are a plethora of tools, which I'll talk about. So first pillar is moderation of screen time. Idea is to have a balance and use it moderately. Second is consumption. So use social media to grow yourself, to achieve your life goals. Like you talked about fitness, it could be anything. And it depends on a person to person. So that is the second thing. And again, it, uh, it is similar to food as a lot of people have talked about. Technology is a lot of lot like food. So the kind of food, the kind of vitamins, carbohydrates that you consume shapes you up physically and shapes you up as a person. Similarly, the kind of content that you consume online shapes you up mentally and physically. Third part is production. So idea is that social media is a great way to reach out to millions of people. And I personally talk about a lot of my digital well-being talks on LinkedIn and other platforms. So because I, because ultimately I can't imagine meeting thousands of people in person, but with one post, I can imagine reaching out to so many people. So it's all about leveraging that tool for its good. So these are three pillars that I follow nowadays. One is moderation of screen time. Second is healthy consumption. Third is healthy production. I love to go into detail of each one of these as well. Yeah, no, please do. Because I think they're really important pillars. And I think, you know, we all can sort of on a basic level say, of course, well, that makes sense. But when it comes to actually putting it into practice, that can be quite challenging sometimes because you do get sucked in and sort of like, oh, well, that looks interesting. And so the, the infamous rabbit hole, you know, and of course, I have to say the rabbit hole is how I found you. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, Absolutely. you know, and but it was a purposeful rabbit hole. I was like, okay, let mm-hmm. me just play around and do some searching around who else is working with digital well-being because there are new things that are coming on the horizon. So tell me a little bit more about those three pillars because I think that that's super helpful. Absolutely. So first pillar is moderation of screen time. So first step I believe is to know how much time you're spending online. So a lot of us don't even know what we are doing online. So 
I looked at a lot of apps like Screen Time in Apple, Rescue Time in Android. So ideas to know how much time you're spending on phone and across different platforms. So a lot of us only look at phones, but it's important to know what we're doing on laptops, TVs, and all screens, even smart watches. So we need to know how much time. And why this is important is it's backed by research as well. So, so there was a research which stated, and let me give an example. Let's say I've never seen my screen time on my phone. And I'll say, okay, my screen time is two hours. But what is actually found is our screen time is three hours. So we're underestimating our screen time by around 50%. And that's a huge margin. And it's not just important to know how much time you're spending online. It's important to know what you're doing online as well. So why these tools are great is it gives you a distribution across different applications uh, and a week over week comparison and your pickups as well. So it's also important how many times you pick up your phone. So I'll tell you this recently, I struggled a lot with this. I used to pick up my phone around hundred times, 80 to hundred times a day. So I now ask my intentionality every time and I track my pickups. So I always ask myself, why am I picking up my phone? Is it really urgent or is it something important? Can it wait? So these techniques have really helped me reduce my pickups. And if my pickups have reduced, my screen time has also reduced. Uh, so that is one thing that I did. And I did a lot of other steps. So to talk about it, I understood my triggers. What is something that's calling to my, to me, me, to my tech? One could be that I'm getting notifications. My phone is beeping a lot. It's vibrating. So when I understood those, I've, I've literally have zero notification on my phone, except the important ones or for an app called motivation. So it provides me motivational quotes. So that's something that I'm using my tech to inspire myself. That's one another thing that I did. To add to that, I also understood my internal triggers. Like for example, I understand that when I'm bored, when I don't know what to do, I automatically pick up my phone. Or when I'm having a bad day, let's say my boss shouted at me, or let's say I'm not doing well mentally or physically, I'll automatically want to use my phone much more. So I understood these triggers and I hacked my time around it. And I do a lot of detoxing as well. So I unplug from tech for around 10 to 12 hours every day. So that's something that I do. And during those times, I'm able to do things which are meaningful to me, like reading books, spending time with family, gratitude, you know, introspection. A lot of us don't even have time to actually sit with ourselves. So there was this research which stated that you would actually prefer electric shock over sitting alone with the thoughts. So I feel this is something that's really important. Some form of solitude time where you just think about yourself, introspect, have some, and I believe me, I have a lot of creative thoughts during that time. So this is what I also do. And what I've done is I've also substituted my addictive tech with my offline tech during some times of the day. So for example, uh, sleeping with my phone during the night is definitely not healthy. So what I've done is I've used this old fashioned alarm clock and I actually sleep with this during the night. So I have been doing this for more than a year and it has transformed my sleep quality because I'm not getting up in the middle of the night to check my phone or, or look at notifications or being disturbed by a a phone call or a message. So I love this sacred time. That's why I use this alarm clock and it's helped me a lot. And a lot of people ask me, how do you act? How, let's say if there's an emergency during this detox time, what do you do in that case? So I, I have this old fashioned landline phone as well. So let's say there's an emergency, people can call me up on this. So this 10 to 12 hour of sacred time is something that really helps me. And believe me, it's very rare that something happens late night or early morning. So it's important to have those time and do things which are valuable to you. And I've adopted a lot of other plethora steps in moderation of screen time. Like I've applied nightlight on my phone, dark mode on my phone, 
It's so exciting hearing you talk because this is, I don't know if you've read my books, but I have a digital self-mastery series, which is really talking about how to get yourself to digital self-balance. And ultimately, what you're, all of the steps that you're doing are the steps that I refer to in my book as the critical steps for getting yourself to that balance. And, and that's not to say that you will always stay in that balance point. You're constantly going to be moving because the technology is constantly changing. And so new things mm. will be introduced. As they're introduced, you need to identify what are the triggers within that as well, if there are triggers. And sometimes it's the old things will sort of sneak back in and your life is changing. I mean, different things, you know, your different needs and demands of whether it's your work where all of a sudden they say, well, we want you to be more active on this particular platform. And trying to find that healthy balance is ultimately where you're always sort of playing with, are you, you know, are, which side are you on and where do you need to get that adjustment? So it's so exciting to hear someone that's come into practice by doing a lot of these steps without even my help, because obviously you don't need my help to do it. But, but I think that this is something that is so critical and it's, it's great to see that, you know, sort of a best practice actually, you know, working well for you and the impact that that's had on your life. I mean, you're a successful practitioner. You work for Ernst & Young. You clearly are able to be very productive in your work. I love the fact that you have a landline because that just is so funny to me. I mean, I think it uh, not not like funny, but my son, for example, you know, of all the people, of course, his reaction to this whole thing, mm -hmm. and he's a Gen Z, he has a flip phone because he's like, I don't want social media in my life. It's too crazy. Now, he also <laughs> has an iPhone. And but he's very conscious about when he, if he feels like he's using it too much, he switches over to his flip phone and he'll mm. use that for, you know, if he goes away to go camping, he'll bring the flip phone so he can be reached, but, you know, he can't have all the distraction of the social media. And I think it's that piece of building that awareness and taking onus on and the responsibility for you know, recognizing your triggers, but actually doing something about it. And a lot of people don't take the actual action. They say, oh, yeah, I use it too much. Or, oh, yeah, you know, well, I shouldn't bring my phone to bed, but I do. And sometimes we have to do things that help us in that process, whether it's like we were talking about the social dilemma and the girl who, you know, smashes open the box because her mother locks the, you know, the phones for during dinner or whatever. I mean, in our house, we have a docking station for the first six months that we had it, everybody docked their phones there at night. And, you know, that's in the kitchen. No, no phones go into the bedrooms. Whose phones are there now? Mine and my husband's. That's it. And even his, you know, he somehow in one of our moves lost his alarm clock. And so now he seems to be using that too. And I was like, I'm like, please take it out. And it's not just the pings and the, the sounds of the actual phone. The EMFs are a whole other issue. Is that something that you talk about as well? Because that we are so surrounded with technology and not everybody is very sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies, but some people are. And if you are, that's, that very much can be one of your triggers, but it's so subtle that you may not even notice it. And so it may be causing all kinds of well-being, both toxic behaviors, but responses physiologically for you. Is that something you talk about in your work as well? While you're talking about is something really valid about EMF waves. Even I've read about it, but I don't talk much about it. My focus is more on the uh, steps to take and all. So I don't really talk much about EMF. But I really do talk about the fact that the mere presence of your phone near you 
really decreases your concentration and you feel like checking it again. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, it's enough to just have that really. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the EMF piece, it's still quite unknown. And for some people, like I said, some people are more sensitive to it than others. And those mm-hmm. that are very sensitive to it, it can trigger all kinds of physiological and psychological responses. So it's pretty clear when you have issues with it. But sometimes it may be, you know, that your your desk is too close to the server even. That, you know, mm-hmm. if you're feeling like you're having, you know, you're too tired all the time and there's a bunch of other different things that are responding. Now, granted, today, you know, I was just having a conversation with somebody else about, you know, with COVID and everybody's reacting to any kind of, oh my goodness, I have one of those symptoms, you know, and it's like, oh, I must have COVID. <laughs> and there's so, I mean, the thing is, you know, not to, not to downplay COVID, but a lot of the symptoms are also very similar to the common cold, the, to the flu, to also, you know, a lot of autoimmune things. And, mm. and that can be things that also are related to, you know, different periods in your life. They could be hormonal shifts. They could be all mm. kinds of different things. So it's important not to just sort of put it in a bucket of, I'm unwell because of. It's also all of those things are really critical for us understanding what's going on with our health. And so you talked a a lot about having lost a lot of weight. And I'm sure part of that was just moving. And you also mentioned, you know, mindful eating. But I wonder if there were other things that you felt that also changed, for example, your ability to focus, your, you know, were there other things that you felt were really profound impacts on your physical or mental well-being when you cut back on social media? So I definitely feel that your focus and productivity goes up because you're not always having that thinking that someone is pinging me, someone is calling me. You're really there in the moment and you're really experiencing that moment and you really want to learn in that. So you know when you've gone beyond tech, you know that's something that can wait and you can really put your concentration in the moment and learn. So that's something that really happened to me during the time I left social media. But to be quite honest, this is something that I still struggle with. Like sometimes work can be really too much and work from anywhere or work from home can be tough. But because I know what is life beyond social media, I feel that like I'm still more mindful. And when I'm, uh, when, I'm being, when I'm having a really balanced lifestyle, it really helps me to be more focused, productive and concentrate on work. Oh, for sure. And I'm so just, you know, maybe it's the mother in me. I'm, saying, I'm so proud of you. But I think that that's, you know, I'm proud of anybody that can achieve that because today it is so easy to fall into that trap. And I think, you know, using the word addiction in, in my in my work when we when we talk about the digital self, I do talk about the digital addict, but in, in the context that I do it, it's more sort of to such an extreme that you have like in the early cases where, you know, you've got kids that are that are not just kids, but you know, gamers who wear a diaper so that they can play all night long, right? And they they just, Mm. they cannot get away. To me, it is that extreme where they, Mm. you know, where it's just, they can't live without, they have a panic attack if they don't have Mm. any, and that's really more of an addictive behavior. What you've Mm. done is much more when you recognize that it was too much and that you needed to back off of it and find better balance. And that's ultimately... Mm where we all need to be. And I mean, digital addiction to the extreme 
you generally need some kind of an intervention to actually mm. create that change. And hopefully we won't have people that go that far. <laughs> but to be yes. mindful and be able to take that shift and say, this is too much. It is taking mm. over my life. And I think that mm. you've done a beautiful job with not only making that practice, you know, putting that practice into place for yourself, but becoming an advocate for others to do the same. Is it something that you hope to do within your organization? Is that something that you have seen people are willing to hear your story and to actually put into practice? Or do you feel like you're speaking to deaf ears when you talk about it? First of all, thank you so much for the kind words. Definitely means a lot to me. And coming from an expert, like it's really encouraging for me to go and do more such talks and workshops. So coming back to your question, it's definitely been really impactful. I've done more than 80 workshops across leading colleges in the country, leading colleges in the country. And I believe people are willing to listen. People are really willing to change, especially during this COVID times when all of us really locked on and we don't have much to do. And what we do is we spend most of our time on screens. So I also play around with the format a lot. Like I make it really interactive. I make it really, I have a lot of poll questions. I have a lot of startling statistics. I enable students to come up with their own steps. So the format is made in such a way that's so engaging, so interactive, that students want to also come up and talk about their struggles. And to be honest, I also find some role models within my talks. So there are people who've come up and told me, yes, I've done something similar and it has benefited me. Or I've done something really new and you should learn from it. So it's a lot of learning from me as well. And it's so encouraging to see that people are really open to this concept and they want to achieve balance and they want to really also advocate it to others as well. So that's something that I've really observed a lot. And to just add a point, I see that you talked about a lot about digital addiction. And I feel that it's also important to find, nat find natural sources of dopamine. So we don't have anything to do beyond tech. So I is to find some form of things. It could be as simple as going out in the nature to take a walk, you know, just taking up some hobby like reading. Or for example, I want to do skydiving someday or uh -huh. doing something crazy like that. <laughs> attempting a Guinness World Book Record. So I just to think about things from small to big. In some of my talks, people have come out and said, I just want to walk barefoot in the grass and just feel happy about nature. Or, or I just want to lay down, sit down and stare at the stars or the sky. So we've forgotten these small, small things that bring us joy in life. Well, and Natural I, sources of dopamine. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's really interesting that you say that because there is a whole piece of digital well-being and just being and the connection with nature. And sometimes we forget about the ability to use, even if you can't get rid of that smartphone, okay, go, go take it for a walk. You physically go take it for a walk and use mm -hmm. that phone to take some beautiful photographs of nature that you can bring home with you and you can have on your screen as your screensaver, right? So that you have this, there's this wonderful integration. There, there's a great professor in the UK. Her name is Sue Thomas. I interviewed her a couple of years back for the podcast, and she does a lot of work with digital well-being. And her, there's actually a lot of data about even how you can get the benefits of the natural world, even when you're in a technological mm -hmm. setting, when you bring some of those elements in. So you have a screensaver of a natural scene, or you have, she has this really cool both her keyboard and her mouse are in wood. And so you have this tactile experience of the, you know, of nature and of the physical. There's so many different pieces, like, you know, she goes and sometimes does videos of the, you know, of the waves coming in and out. And she'll post those and say, you know, take a meditational moment just looking at the waves, right? Because a lot of people live in cities. They don't have access to 
go put their feet in the sand or, you know, they can maybe get grounded on dirt, but it may not be the nicest dirt. You know, there may not be that place where they can go and be in complete silence, but maybe they have the opportunity to do that in a VR setting or even just, you know, yesterday somebody sent me this, this video that said this is, you know, this is the most satisfying thing I've watched in years. Guess what it was? It was a beaver eating cabbage. All right. So it was an animal eating cabbage. It was the most adorable thing, but I literally felt my heart relax just watching it. It was like, oh, this is so satisfying. It's so cute. And it is, it's just taking those moments to sort of not get caught up in that hamster wheel, right? And recognizing what it is that makes you feel good. Sharing a story, sharing a laugh, sharing a smile. Go for a walk and see how many people you can make eye contact with and smile. See how many people you can pass the smile to. Those are very simple interactions that you can do in the physical world that will actually increase your oxytocin and give you that, you, you get that, that smile reciprocated, you get oxytocin, you get serotonin, all of these different things, same, almost better than getting a like. You know, you're just getting that, oh, wow, I just made someone stay. Like, you're just passing it on. These little simple things that we can do you know, that you can do them in the virtual world, but you can also do them in the physical world. They don't take a lot of energy. They don't take a lot of time, but they do mm. have that response that we need that feeds our ability for well-being. And that natural, I mean, as we were talking about in the green room before we came in, you know, we've been so, I'm so fortunate in the place that I live because I'm surrounded by open space and green space. So I'm able to get into nature, you know, just mm. walking out my door. I can't even imagine being stuck in a city in a lockdown. To mm. me, that would be the most toxic environment. But it, in the same way, it's that having to only experience technology or experience nature through my screen, at least it's something, but it's, it's not the same as that full sensory tactile experience. And so I think it's important to recognize what it is that's good for you. A friend of mine gave me once, actually it was when I was living in Brussels, not as much green space, gave me a, a, one of those rocks that you, you rub your thumb on as sort of like a concentration thing, but it was, mm. you know, a beautiful natural stone. And I remember feeling like that was something that was so grounding to me. It was like putting your feet in the earth, but having that natural tactile experience enabled me to sort of connect with nature, even in a non-natural environment. Hmm. Sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. I can actually feel that. Like, yeah, there, that there's, feel. Yeah, so there's, that. yeah, there's something very important about recognizing also where you're, we're all sensory beings, but what are the ways that we learn? What are the ways that we are the most responsive? And, you know, for some people, it's sound. For some people, it's light. For some people, it's the tactile. For some people, it is more just a sensory, like a general mm. sort of aura feeling. But I think. Part of it is really work doing that self work to understand our, you know, how we, how we receive information and how we react. You said you did some work with mindfulness and, and really just being more present. I love that you did that because that's something that was also really a, a very key part of the research that I did on my dissertation was the importance of really, in order to really be productive and connected to the world, we have to be very fully present with ourselves and recognize what, it, and it takes that to actually recognize the triggers. 
what are some of the things that you feel can help, you know, help your students or help you in your process of sort of recognizing where, where your sensory system lies and reacts so that you can recognize the triggers? Mm-hmm. So I think in terms of uh, what you talked about, just to add one point, mm-hmm. you mentioned about using technology to supplement. So I would say use technology to supplement your life rather than substitute. So if you're using it to measure your steps, that's really good. If you're uh, capturing a moment, that's good, but don't make it your life. But it's good that you're supplementing your life. So that's good. That's just one point I wanted to add. So coming back to mindfulness. So what I do in practice is I've experimented a lot. First, I used to only focus on my breath. And really, it's important to know how, what you're breathing, how you're breathing. Because what happens when you're anxious, when you're feeling uh, bored, your breathing pattern really changes. So when you're practicing mindfulness, you really become really conscious about your breath. And I can feel that when I'm stressed. So I think this practice of mindfulness has really helped me a lot. So what I do nowadays is when I do mindfulness first, I think of things that I'm grateful for and then I focus on my breath. So I think this is something that's really helped me a lot. And coming back to your question of recognizing your uh, sensory pleasures and the things that you like, I think it's a lot about experimentation, to be honest. So I've experimented with a lot of things like going out in nature or experimenting different, different places within my country or within my state. And then I came to realize what I really loved. So it's a lot about experimenting with different kinds of things. And then you'll realize what really resonates with your values, because it's important to realize that we are all very different. And even digital well-being is a very different definition for all. There's no one fit all solution. And well-being in general, there's no one fit all solution. You have to really experiment a lot, see what works for you. And that's how I think the process works. It's a lot of unlearning, learning and relearning. For sure. And I mean, as I, I've always said, the anomaly is the norm, and we need to accept that. And, and the fact that there is no cookie cutter description of this is the process, this is how you will react. It doesn't work that way. We all come with our own stories. And I think it's also important to recognize that everybody else has their own stories, everybody else has their own reaction. So it's not just we're each of us individually are trying to figure it out, it's everyone that we interact with mm-hmm. is also. And what we see on social media, is usually just the, the the face that people choose to share. You know, mm. it's not, there's so much more to their story and to their backstory. I was thinking a good way could be to first connect online, probably that's something that's good, but try to convert that online to an offline relationship as well. Take that conversation online to offline, like we're doing somehow or through a technology itself. So again, <laughs> this is a very good way to use technology for communication and collaboration. For sure. Deepen the conversation. And I think that that's, that's a great way to end it. I think it's just be curious. And that can both be in like, hey, I think we've got a, you know, a unique connection here. We've got something in common. Or it may also be you know, when you notice that someone may be asking for help and they may not be you know, actually saying, I need help, but it may look like mm, maybe they need a little bit of help and that's something that I can, maybe I can help them. I think well, that's something we sort of forget to do. We get caught up in our sense of, you know, in ourself and what we're doing. And sometimes it takes stepping back and going, wait a minute, maybe I just need to ask, like, are you okay? And just have mm-hmm. that conversation. And it opens the door for, for really deepening our relationship. So thank you for reminding us that. And I think, you know, just, I, I feel so fortunate that you're, you know, that, that you're out there and that you're, you're doing the work that you're doing. And I really appreciate your, your willingness to join us on the show today. It's so fun to share you and your work with my audience. 
How can folks find you if they're interested in doing your workshops? I assume you're probably doing them online these days because of, uh, because of COVID, which is great because even though you're in India, doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can uh, share your work. But how do folks find you if they want to learn more? So uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, my social media handles, or you can reach out to me on email, which I think we'll post in the description box. Feel free to reach out. I'm really passionate about this topic and I'm really learning a lot. I'm experimenting a lot. And I see a lot of people struggling. So I would love to help out in any way or be of service of in any way through workshops, personal mentorship. So I'll be happy to help out in any possible way. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to share your story with us today. Thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you join us for this time on our show. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you do a rating and review, please let us know so we can share some love back. We always appreciate having the opportunity to say thank you. So thank you, and we look forward to next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.